This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. It's Monday night. We've got a guest. Championship weekend is in the books. And man, oh man, do I have one super happy co-host. Big man, how you doing? How was your night? Did you get any sleep? Tell me about it. It, it was fine. <laughs> You're such a mother. Well, all right, fine. How are bills? How, how did the bills go? Bills game was 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 fine. I mean, they they really sort of gave it away and didn't really do a lot. Um, <laughs> Casey, I mean, Casey had it in control for the moment. They went up fourteen nine and and ran it out. No, I'm kidding. Of course, it was a, it was a phenomenal night. I can't. I couldn't. I was going to try and deadpan it and be really boring. No, it was yeah, but... it was phenomenal. Of course, to see. Uh, to see us make the Super Bowl for the first time in 18 years, um, to knock off three division champs on the way, to silence that debate of is Aaron Rodgers a truly, uh, you know, elite quarterback? I mean, he's a great player. Let's, let's not get this wrong, but I think we can take Aaron Rodgers out of that, you know, best QB of all time conversation because, you know, you, you can't go one and four in championship games and, it just is it, that is the way it goes. You cannot do that and be considered to be one of the greats of all time. We talked about this with Drew Brees. You know, I, I think Drew Brees is a remarkable person. Uh, he's been a very good player, but you cannot not win when it matters and be considered to be one of the. I mean, Hall of Fame, sure. Aaron Rodgers will get in the Hall of Fame, whatever happens. But one of the like the, tr- I mean, we're talking about Montana. We're talking about um, Brady. Do they do they both deserve to be in that conversation? No, uh, until they're winning multiple Super Bowls. I mean, Eli Manning's won more Super Bowls than than both. In fact, Tom Brady in one year in the NFC has won as many NFC titles as both of them. Like this is what we're talking about. The the, the level here of it's fine margins between 
extremely good and greatness. And and at this moment in time, they both they both feel short. But yeah, it, and this is it, it's phenomenal to to make it. But we're going to share a lot more because we've got a great guest uh, waiting to join us. So let's let's bring him in. Absolutely, I didn't Who's want you to thoughts? do that. Yeah, yeah, I bet he has, and I wanted to bring him in for those thoughts because otherwise you'd take all the thunder and then we'd just be left <laughs> to hang out to dry. So let's bring today's guest in. It's host of the Read and React podcast, senior writer for DLF, and self-affirmed NFL degenerate. It's Tom Kisslingbury. Tom, welcome to Five Yard Rush, man. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me on the show. It's good to be here, chaps. Uh, especially the day after Championship Weekend, which is, for my money, joint best uh, football day of the season. You've got a Sunday night week one and Championship night, and mm. those are my favourites. I couldn't agree more. I mean, like, Super Bowl is, is obviously the marquee event. It's incredible. It's, it's phenomenal. But, you know, Championship Sunday with everything on the line, it doesn't get more exciting than those two back-to-back games of the AFC-NFC Championship games. And, and week one, because you've had this ridiculous seven-month hiatus of football and you're sort of chomping at the bit waiting for it to happen so I'm with you 100% those are the two best days of the year absolutely Tom we are going to get into championship weekend a little bit later before we do that why don't you tell Rush Nation how you got into the NFL in the first place well it was a long time ago uh because because I'm old for a start this can't <laughs> be true this cannot young. you cannot you cannot be old I refuse to believe this from the video Tom that you were old you're yeah. a good chap. Thank you very much. Uh, it's the moustache hanging around at the moment. It gets away with it. All right. So first first game I ever watched in the NFL was uh, the Packers Patriots Super Bowl. I uh, remember that one probably before your time, but that was 97. Um, Super Bowl 31, I think it was. Um, and I went to school with a guy. Uh, so this was obviously mid-90s. Um, and I went to school with a guy who was a massive NFL fan. He used to wear this Dolphins shell suit coat. It was awful. Um, and everyone took the mickey out of him because back then it was, oh, we're wear helmets and uh what whistles um and eventually eventually after years i said all right fine i'll, I'll watch a game with you i was 17 or whatever at this station we stayed up all night and drank a little bit of weak beer um and i watched this game and he sort of explained what was going on to me and much to my surprise it was brilliant it was really good and i really enjoyed the game um there was a great kick return that sort of uh blew the game open and it was really really good fun and and from there it just spiraled really i, I really enjoyed that had no idea what was going on even though someone was explaining it to me and then i'm a pretty obsessive guy so i learned more and i learned more and then after that i went off to university and then you know i was staying up all night watching football um and trying to figure out on madden what all the different letters and numbers meant because i had no idea in the internet this wasn't very helpful back then um and then a lot more and more and then sort of found my way into into the fantasy world and started playing about there and and then really for the last 20 years it's just been learning more and more and more um and here we are um and all i do is watch football because you know we're not allowed out of our house <laughs> i've got a question on that then so you know I, I i played i started playing fantasy football in, in the year 2000 but i was in i was in florida when that happened so for me getting access to that kind of information you go to a barnes and noble they've got plenty of publications of of magazines the internet was as you say not very helpful back then how do you play fantasy football in the late 90s in the uk where there is no publications and there's no real website to play it on or was there a website like how, how does that even happen <laughs> so we used to play it on a website called sandbox um <laughs> this is how long ago it was because wow. I mean, NFL didn't have its own fancy um, and nice. Sleeper didn't exist and, and I'm not sure Yahoo had their own fancy no. service and this thing Sandbox is really interesting and we sort of found it on this proto internet and I played it with a couple of mates at university um, and it, it 
really the basic experience hasn't changed very much but we didn't know what some of the things meant so we had to work it out so weirdly even then we, we were playing with defensive positions um and i had uh, my superstar player in that first year was Dwayne washington who is older Steelers um mm. uh, safety really good player actually he was he, I mean, now I know. I had no idea at the time. But he was DB on the website, right? And I didn't know what DB stood for. And I can remember <laughs> sitting there in my bedroom in university and doing my doing my depth chart. Uh, and I knew I had an LOLB and LILB and RILB and ROLB. I had no idea what those stood for, but I knew I needed to have the numbers. So I sort of looked at their name and I wrote them out my little bit of paper. And then I saw them on the screen. And I went, oh, yeah, I can sort of see what is going on here. And, and then I figured out what linebackers were and all that sort of stuff. But really, a lot of it was just trial and error. And you heard, you know, a game or two every week and you sort of got bits and pieces and you had to piece it together. Did, did So back then, I mean, I, I remember the first fantasy league I played in was a manual commish. So we all went to high school, we were all in a class <laughs> and the commish would, would basically take the box scores out of the paper and um, would update. And basically it'd be posted around and you'd have a 24 hour period where you could challenge the box score. <laughs> so basically, if there was an updated box score, um, basically the most basic form of stat corrections, um, where the information was wrong, where you find two publications that print different information, that also happened. Um, you'd have to find a third publication to be effectively the tiebreaker. Um, did you have did like did you have a commission to work this out? Did the sandbox work it out? I'm I'm really curious. It was all automatic, but I, <laughs> the reason why I'm laughing at that, we're not too far away from there, right? There, there's no. so many stats that are still disputed in the NFL, and we still like to believe that things are official. Um, but so much, certainly on the defensive side of the football, we'll get onto that. So much of it interpretive because there is the tackle is not an official NFL stat. I'm sure, you guys know that, and all the stat crews sort of do it differently. And now we're seeing that happen with pressures as well. So it feels like the, the wider football sphere has figured out that sacks are not the be all and end all, and you need to understand sort of pressures and QB hits and that sort of stuff. But it's still some bloke that's been working for the the stat crew for 30 years and he's got an idea of what he thinks and he's going to stick with it and and the Wembley crew is notoriously different so it's still subjective this is the best part of 25 years later and we've still got the same problems which feels absolutely incredible yeah that's fascinating I was curious on that because I just yeah it's such an amazing period I think you know if you've been through that level of fantasy you know you're a proper addict because (laughs) it's not like it is now kids today don't know what they were born with 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 sleeper and nice colorful graphics with full information at one touch of a button (laughs) not having to just guess on who players are yeah it was a different world man but it was a lot of fun fun. it was so different because uh, we'd never seen anything like it and you know i i can remember when when soccer fantasy football sort of started over here and that was that was crazy but then we discovered the u.s way of doing it and the sort of concept of everyone owning one player and that was like wow totally changes your your mind so you, you say that with with um soccer fantasy football i'll never forget i was in school and we were talking off air about schools and you know my mom sent me to catholic school you know when i first went there, i was 11 and we um and we we did it by post so you'd pay like two pound a week and you'd be you'd get this thing through the post every single week and you'd have your team and you'd send in your selections and you could do transfers with other with other people so there was like um i think there were eight in my class and four more in my year that were part of this sort of 20 man league and we used to do it all by post you just think now <laughs> it's just baffling you just give me like right flash down memory lane so i appreciate that yeah i did one from my cut through my cousin's secondary school where we filled it in one drunken night 
I sent him my team sheet. And then the only way I could get an update was for him to look at the cork board in the corridor of his high school and then to phone me on the landline phone to tell me how I was doing. That was, it was terrible. I came rock bottom last. It, it was dreadful. But yeah, things have definitely moved on. I just, how did you get into writing about fantasy football when then writing for DLF, Tom? Um, so the first half, it was just, just for fun, really. Um, I, <laughs> I, you know, it was just, such a good answer. Everyone is just for fun. Yeah, it literally was. I, I, I was quite into fantasy and I was doing a lot of research and I was trying to learn. So, you know, my, my sort of obsessive brain wants to learn about stuff and it always wants to pick up new. So I was figuring out what I could about predicting football and that sort of stuff. And, and after I did quite a lot of studying and, and thought I knew what was going on, then I, I was scrolling stuff down because I saw all these football writers and I thought, these guys are pretty clever. I, I wish I could uncover things like that. Uh, and, you know, you have a lot of arguments and conversations with your mates, but it was pretty clear that I, I viewed football in a different way to a lot of them. Um, and I got fed up with those arguments, so I just started screaming it into the void on on a little personal website. Nobody was reading it; it didn't go anywhere. Um, but then there was an ad that came out from DLF, and they said we want some new writers. And I thought, oh, send it in, might as well. Um, and I did that, and they said, yeah, yeah, welcome aboard. On the on the back of you know, I, I'd put some things together, and it was on a website, and you could read it, and it sort of made sense. And it was maybe in areas that other people weren't looking at, i.e., defense, because people like to pretend that only players who touch the ball count um and and then it just blew up really and then dlf is just such a lovely family of guys um it's a really nice website just run by uh well three original partners and a couple of other guys that have come on board who just love football um and no one ever pressures you to write about anything and they'll sort of uh let you go with your flights of fancy of things that you think are interesting it's really it's a really supportive nice uh group of people so that's what happened and then Eventually, I uh, Gridiron magazine launched in the UK, and I sort of knew what they were going on, and I was reading there, and they had some really good stuff. And I thought, some of the things that I look at, which is a bit more data-based and a bit more evidence rationally, um, I, I reckon that would fit. So I just, I just dropped them a line. They went, yeah, come on, <laughs> come and do some stuff. And the more I've learned about uh, the football business, I mean, if I was 20 years younger, I would definitely be trying to do a football um, full-time as a career, but <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, so much of it is just just asking people um and you know we as people tend to think we're so special and wonderful and and all these people are going to realize it and come knock on my door and say you're great come and do this stuff for us and and obviously no one ever does but actually in the football world in particular if you just ask people and you say i I think i can help you give me a shot um most people normally say yes yeah i I couldn't agree more I i you know it's really special this we talk about it a lot on here you know some of the people we've had on in the last sort of three years you know we had two guys talking about football and then we get you know, incredible people on to to come and talk about it and share experiences and that's how you learn and you just I, I just think of the, the the football community especially the fantasy football community is one big like group thing group tank they're, they're, like everyone just gets together and there's no people think there's like loads of animosity between different sites and competition it just isn't like it just isn't that way people just like to share their their thoughts and they're willing to have them completely carved up by other people and they want to learn <laughs> and they want to learn the process they want to know why they got things wrong i think you know one of the things whenever anyone asks me you know why why'd you do it is it, one other than it's fun and it's then it's i've got nothing better to do really <laughs> that i love that i mean i mean like i wouldn't want to talk about soccer all, all day every day despite how obsessed i am with it because it just think it's it's too many opinions like it's the complete opposite if you look at the soccer landscape everyone has an opinion and no one is willing to change their mind whereas the football space and mostly the fantasy football space i feel most people are 
quite curious because they want that edge. They want to compete. And, I, yeah. I think we're quite close to figuring stuff out as well um, yeah. in the NFL world. So, so a lot of other sports, you, you sort of understand what happens and they're fairly simple. Um, a, lot of, a lot of teams end up playing very similarly. And you, mm. So let's use soccer as an example, right? Uh, you go through these swathes of everyone using very similar formations and very similar philosophies. And there's obviously differences. Um, that's always going to happen. But you sort of go through decades at a time where people behave very, very similarly um, until someone figures out a way of breaking it and that changes. But it's not quick. And you look mm. at the NFL, and, and I'm talking about college and high school and, and the NFL all together in football here, and it's, it's rapid. You see new trends in personnel packages and formations and approaches and plays happen in weeks, not months, not years. Um, and you have to adapt to it because uh, if someone comes up with something clever, that kills your game. That is a game beater just then. It's not one tiny thing that goes into a, a massive variant system that might have 10% chance of, of breaking your system. It will kill you. Uh, the great example is the Wildcat game, right? Ever, ever remember that when Miami wheeled it out and they scored yeah. four touchdowns using it against um, that great New England team? And suddenly <laughs> everyone was like, we've got to learn this thing next week because we're <laughs> either going to see it or we're going to beat someone with it. And that lasted about six months and then it disappeared. Um, and there's loads of other examples, but it, it feels like the truth is not something we know in football. Um, we don't understand the links between things. So yeah, it's really only in recent years that people have, have properly understood this is a controversial point of view, but how little running backs matter, right? Obviously, great running backs, they're a great player, but pretty much whoever you plug in there, volume equals productivity and blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that all day. Um, but for, for decades, and maybe the game was different, then that wasn't the case. People are like, yeah, of course, I'm going to draft my running back overall because, look, he's really good. He carries the ball. I, I know a guy that's convinced Kalen Ballage uh, was really good this year. <laughs> And he, he puts on the game and he sees Kalen Ballage pick up the ball and sort of run past the tackler. And he, he must be good. Um, <laughs> so the, the things we're learning about the sport just, just feel like you're always discovering new things rather than just plowing over tired old ground that's been done 30 years ago in a slightly different way. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it's so true that evolution is so quick. But what I also find fascinating is people then always go back in, 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 in NFL and, and colleges something that hasn't been tried for like 15 years someone has dug it out and gone hmm i wonder if i modify that slightly that will work now and that's what i think is cool because you can start to see some trends where you can start to work out the root and the ancestry of where this crazy idea has come from and then you just watch it slightly tweaked but and then brought back and that's what i love i just think it's it's reinvention it's creativity and you know i i had a lot of friends last night who who know me very well and um you know, didn't know me when, when Tampa won the first Super Bowl. So, um, you know, been talking about it a lot. And a lot of them don't watch NFL. And, you know, they thought they'd watch it in a sort of solidarity with me. It's like, well, let's see what this is about. And a lot of it, you know, I, a lot of these guys love soccer. They don't really watch NFL. And they're like, actually, yeah, while the ad breaks are a little bit annoying, I actually now start to appreciate how much drama and tension that they build because of all the different strategy points. And it's like, if you can get people to understand that the, the pauses in play are so necessary in order for it to be such an amazing experience, people will just, because that's the number one barrier to people in the UK is it's three hours long. There's an hour that's ad breaks. I just don't think I could be asked. And then you're just like, actually, if you can just get past that one bit and actually understand why that is the way it is, you'll love it. And I think, I mean, I know some guys who, who watched it last night who go, I'm going to, I'm going to watch more NFL now. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm going to watch other games because 
they understand the the strategy the creativity of it and that's that's why the sport is so unique compared to basketball baseball soccer because of the amount of creativity that's done through organization planning coming up with plays etc i agree I, I think that's what makes it such such a good sport for spectators because you know a lot of people who are super sports fans are sort of frustrated players right i was never very good as a player um but i when i watch uh, the nfl i can sort of believe that you know fine i could never go out there and do those things but i'm pretty clever i bet i could call those plays and yeah. and it has much more impact uh, um than it does in, in most sports most sports you, your coach can sort of wave his fingers and shout but really he's five percent of the input um and the nfl is is a tangible difference on a play-by-play basis and you can see proof i would have called this play on that well he did the same thing and it didn't work so i was wrong yeah or vice versa 100 so if you were going to coach a, a team tom who, who would your <laughs> team be and who is your nfl team be a good question. So uh, I, I was going to say my standard answer for this. I, I don't really have a team. So uh, I watched that first game in 97 and I said to my buddy, Craig, I said, uh, where's Green Bay? I've never heard of Green Bay. And he said, it's in the middle of the country somewhere. You've never heard of it. I said, oh, great. Where's New England? Didn't know where New England was. And he said, that oh, was Boston, really. I went, great. I've been to Boston. I'll have them. And he went, they've never won a Super Bowl. This, first, this is the second one they've ever been to. And the first was a record loss and they've sucked forever. I said, <laughs> oh man, this sucks. But I was a Patriots fan by then, right? So, so I picked it. Um, and then Belichick turned up three or four years later and they started, and he started getting really good. In the next 10 years, everyone's like, you only follow the Patriots because they're brilliant. I was like, I've got all the pain of this and I don't feel like I've got any of the glory really either. <laughs> and so they were my favorite team for a long time. Um, but I, I, I I sort of realized that I enjoyed football more when I wasn't cheering for a team. Um, and this is a good time, uh, championship uh, weekend. So I mean, obviously you're celebrating because your team got back to the Super Bowl. Brilliant. But I, I see so many people that have decided they're going to pick a certain team and are going to be massively loyal to them. And I, and I hate the team that they uh, hate. And, and they don't enjoy football that much. They, yeah. they find a lot of it being quite frustrated and quite upset. I've got a great buddy of mine, Rusty, who's been a Dolphins fan for 30 years. And he, he's really happy following football because the only thing that makes me happy is dolphins winning it doesn't happen very often uh so i i can understand if you're born into it and sort of tribalism is, is really appropriate and some people can only do that they, they can only enjoy a game if they're cheering for someone and cheering against the other one but i'm i have found sport is better that way so college football is a good thing right you start getting into college football and your instinct is going well, i'm going to pick a college and then i thought about it and went that's really weird it's really strange if i pick a university that i've never been anywhere near and i'll either pick a you know a top tier one bama or ohio state or someone like that which sort of misses the point or i'll pick someone rubbish and they're never going to be any good and either way it's really strange but i, I don't actually have to i can just watch college football and just cheer for good football and i find i enjoy that a lot more now having said that i'm sitting here with a patriots hat next to me <laughs> so you know a little bit of that sort of still kicks around and i've got a gronk mug downstairs you, you never quite divorce if if it was a if i was watching a playoff game between the jets and the patriots then be pretty clear who i'm cheering for but um last year um the last two years actually i was cheering for the the chiefs to beat the patriots in the playoffs because i wanted to see Mahomes do work uh, really well and i wanted to see the chiefs go back to the um super Bowl that makes sense i yeah. think i understand that and i think yeah uh, i mean i i'm not that person because I, I just get emotionally attached <laughs> but at the same point i i totally understand the tribalism and i think that's one of the things i really love about the nfl is very a very small percentage of the fan base is is, is tribalistic um 
you've got people here in the UK that are very, very ardent fans. And I, I've noticed a lot of this this morning, pro and, and con Tom Brady and, you know, trying to sway people to not hate Tom Brady because he's, he's so successful, but it can't be done. And and that's fine. But I think, you know, Lee, Lee's Dolphins fan, Stocks Denver fan, um, you know, I'm a Buccaneers fan. I, I, I picked them because I, I lived there, you know, I lived so close to them and, and that was my local team. It's how I picked them. And, and Lee goes to games all the time. And, you know, I think we're the sorts of fans that we've seen so much of the bad. <laughs> we've seen so much of the bad that it's like, it, no matter what, I can always enjoy it. And I think what I love about the NFL and the culture of it is because it's not so tribalistic, I can watch any game and, and love it. And when it comes to soccer in particular, and the culture here in this country is, that's not the case because you're always rooting for one team over the other. If Manchester United are playing Sheffield United, you know, all the other top six teams are rooting for Sheffield United. You know, you don't have that independent view. Whereas I can watch, as you say, the Patriots and the, and the Jets. And for me, I just want a good game. I don't really care who, who wins. Yeah, I have favorite players and there's fantasy and all those sorts of things. But in all actuality, I actually separate fantasy completely from my NFL watching experience. So like, I'm not the guy who is who's on my app looking at my fantasy team when I'm watching the games. No, I watch turn the games. it off, man. Yeah. yeah, look at look at it on Tuesday morning, but just enjoy football whilst it's happening. I'm totally with you. I, Stocks goes to me, he says, oh yeah, um, we're, we'll be in a heads up match. You'd be like, oh, you've got this game won. And I was like, I've not even looked. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I've not even looked. I, I, it's just, I just, I just enjoy watching the games and, and it's special. And I think that's, that's what, again, the sport is special for. I mean, you understand it from, there are different sorts of fans and, and actually, across lots of different sports different sorts of fans are emerging um certainly in the uk and europe we're we're turning into more delineated fans and it used to be massively dominated by um you know people that are the sort of fever pitch classic i just love my team and i live through my team and that's it and they, those people are fading um and there are more and more fans that are appearing who are strategy fans or, or scouts or or people that are just in it for the social life and etc or, or gambling or gaming fans are there so it is diversifying i think it helps the fan experience that it's becoming less about my team's great and your team sucks and you can still get a lot of that but it's not it's, it's quite boring <laughs> it only goes so far no, i agree Let's leave some pandemic talk out because we've all had enough Corona, right? 2020 fantasy, Tom, how did your season go? How many leagues were you in? Did you win any leagues? Fill us in. You know, it's not bad in the end. It sort of works out well. I, I think I played, I don't know the exact number because I'm a degenerate and we've we all got the sickness, right? It was probably about 15. And that sort of combination of some best ball leagues where you haven't got to touch them and some work ones and some old mates ones and stuff because someone says, do you want to do this interesting thing? So a bunch of them. And I think I won, I definitely won two. I think I won three. Um, I can't actually remember the last one, which is terrible. But I, <laughs> I did pretty well in in best ball leagues and i i'm good at building a really good roster um because i i look at stupid details so i sort of know everyone that's playing every week so figuring out who that next guy is up I, i'm really good at actually weekly sit starts terrible not your guy at all <laughs> I, I can't do that at all um and i tend to suck at it so I, I sort of did well in different sorts of leagues but it was such a hard season this year right because mm-hmm. It was so different to normal and so many things were were just weird in the NFL and injury rates and people going on and off COVID lists and all that sort of thing. So what a weird year. We're not going to, I'm pretty convinced that next year the NFL is going to start and people are going to go, 
hang on, why are all these offensive players not producing as well as they did last year? Because they've got no idea that defense just sucked in 2020 uh, because of the offseason. And they've got probably no idea how lax the NFL were on, on penalties as well. Um, and so people are going to go, I thought that guy was really good. I thought he broke out last year and suddenly he's not as good and people are going to be confused. It's definitely going to be confusing draft season next year and and going into the first few weeks, people are going to be, there could be players drop that we just think, well, why have you dropped him? Because your average guy isn't playing like we are and has dropped this guy and people are going to be a wave of wire storm and it's, it's going to be madness. Let's, let's dive into championship weekend then. Did you watch both games? Have you seen any highlights? He definitely watched both games. If you're not watching the video, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, are you a football fan? If you don't watch on Championship weekend, really? Can you claim it? Not sure I you mean, can. yeah, I, I take offence, Tom. If I'm honest, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, I had to look after my son today, so the second game was not an option live for me. But it was a long day today. Yeah, I'm yeah, not going to lie. Yeah. So, what did you make of it? I, I just really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the first game was absolutely brilliant. I'm sure there was a load of mistakes, but really enjoyed it. Whenever you get championship weekend, all the stories are about, you know, four quarterbacks. But actually, I, I thought it was a fascinating clash. Um, again, I'm a, I'm a massive defense fan. And, and there's such distinctive defenses in Tampa versus Green Bay. Green Bay's defense looks like nobody else in the league. It's probably the most unique defense in the league. Uh, and I think it's pretty cutting edge and pretty exciting. So I love watching them. And then Tampa, we know what Todd Bowles does. Um, he blitz, blitz, blitzes. Um, he's one of the more aggressive uh, coordinators. And, and to see that play out in real time with very good um quarterback play uh, i just thought it was fascinating and everyone's jumped on kevin king and sort of painted him as the villain and yeah he had a couple of terrible mistakes i thought carlton davis was awful yeah. i'm a huge carlton davis fan he's he's such that template of a long six foot three brilliant mm. uh, cover corner but yesterday he sucked no he um, was i mean he, he was terrible back. i mean for me there was only one bit of coverage i i, I sort of liked i looked at it and it was, um, I think it was on third down and he didn't get fooled by Adams moving and he covered him in the end zone and took him out effectively from from being able to be passed to. And I think that was in like the, the third or the fourth quarter. I think it was the fourth quarter. And you said, no, it was third. It was third quarter and you're just like, it's taking you that long to show up. I mean, he just <laughs> he couldn't tackle. He, he got beat inside. He got beat outside. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't aggressive at all, and it's not what we've seen out of Carlton Davis this this season. Um, I don't know if he got scared, or you know, got beat early by Adams and thought mm, I've got to be a bit careful here. The helmet to helmet was inexcusable. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I just, yeah, it, it was a, a tough watch, and and yet, but it was amazing for me to see so many defensive personnel changes as well. I mean, you had force changes from the Buccaneers side with different safeties coming in. You had, um, you know, you could definitely see Mike Patton realize that he can't give up 186 yards uh, of rush before <laughs> contact like he did last year. And I actually think Mike Patton did a, a really good job with the exception of that play before halftime. I think that Wasn't was the Christian only Kirksey good. I mean, yeah, he's really had a really good. difficult year. The second half of it has been really problematic for him. But I thought he, he was brilliant last night. Yeah, exceptional. You know, you look at it and people will sit there and point at King. And yeah, okay, he gets, he gets beat one or twice. But I also think that the coverage didn't help him that much either. I mean, if you're going to give the yards to Scotty Miller, he's going to get past you. You know, he, he he's a speed freak. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought that they really contained Brady. They forced him into mistakes, especially the first and the third turnover because they they started getting to him it took him a while mm-hmm. but when they started getting to him 
and they dialed up the pressure and they started getting in his face. You know, people sitting there saying, oh, Brady sucks. Well, no, Brady's just not very good when a guy is right in his face. That's been his entire career. He I mean, needs every, to have every quarterback offensive. sucks when there's a guy exactly. right in his face. You need to have an offensive line that are going to keep him clean. And that's how he wins games. And when you get dirty with him, then that's when you can get a turnover or two off him. And yeah, I, I felt bad for the Packers D last night because I think with the exception of... Sorry, you got me excited here. Long-term <laughs> Patriots fan, you talked about getting dirty with Tom Brady. So <laughs> I, need, I need a moment. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, yeah, with the exception of three or four plays last night, I thought that the the, the, the Green Bay defense was, was very good. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate for them that that their offense couldn't couldn't get the job done. I mean, not for me, but for them, um, I, I I feel like their offense, Aaron Rodgers in particular, I think probably deserves a bit of criticism this morning and this evening or tomorrow or whenever you're analyzing this game because they had the opportunities to win this game. They did. I, I haven't seen many championship games, apart from the fact last time the Packers were there, where both teams don't have a chance to win it. So I... I'm a bit more tolerant of Aaron Rodgers than you. I, I, it wasn't his best game, but that's going to happen. Quarterbacks uh, yeah. going to have bad games, and certainly when they come up against, um, I'm not sure it's one of the best defense in the league, but but top five, top six, uh, the Bucks were o- over the course of the year. It's super hard thing to do. Um, so I, I don't think either quarterback was was really much worse than I expected them to be. I, I think it was just a good close mm. tussle, even on the scoreboard. It didn't look like it at times. Um, really enjoyed that game. I thought it was fascinating. I got a question for you because this is the one that I think most people want to talk about is going for it on fourth and eight uh, and versus not going for it on fourth and eight and kicking the field goal with 205 left on the clock or 209 or whenever it was when they kicked the ball. Do you, I mean, could you see the logic of that call at the time or do you just think, and you're a defensive guy. So you, you know, the has made this decision basing on the fact that if he's got four stops with the timeouts and the two minute warning and he's backing his defense yeah, I go for it. So I spend a lot of time on defense, but that leads me to being aware of of how variable and how futile defense is. You know, off, offense rules the modern NFL. It definitely does. And in 2020, more than any season um, that I've watched football uh, for a start. So I'm very much in the camp of if you've got a play to, to go out there and, and do it, then, then trust your offense because your defense is subject to so many vagaries of fate um, that, that trusting on that to win you a game feels very old-fashioned to me mm. easy for me to say though right we sit here on a sofa <laughs> and go yeah i'd make these uh, yeah. big things because i'm not worried about my career getting blackballed on the back of a terrible decision on national um time. but on, on the flip side then that gives us the freedom to see what is best without having an emotional stake in it and those guys those guys can't so did you see the um uh comment from uh what's his name new chargers uh coach uh this week who's saying yeah i really want to be at the forefront of analytics um but I'm also going to you know, judge that in the moment um, based on feel. And you're going, well, <laughs> that, that's sort of the opposite of what you're saying. And there's no, there's no right and there's no wrong here. I'm not saying, you know, always, always trust the numbers. But there's no point in saying, yeah, I'm absolutely going to trust, uh, trust the maths and numbers unless it feels wrong. Because that's the whole point of when you need to make an analytical decision. Um, and I think based on that, I think the, the real mistake that Lafleur made last night it wasn't that he didn't go for he didn't go for it. It's the fact is he's sitting there with three timeouts and he should have taken one because you can tell he hedged his bets. He wasn't sure. And what he did is he made a panicked rush decision. 
um, which turns out to be the wrong play. Listen, they could have gone for it. They could have missed it. They, they had seven or eight shots from that sort of distance and didn't score before that. So it's it's not exactly like this was a given on four and eight, but he didn't give himself the time. Like, And it, this is, for me, the biggest difference in this whole game was this one point. The Buccaneers send the punt team out. They have a play they really, really like. They decide to change it. They call the timeout before halftime. Then they send Tom Brady out. They go for it on fourth and four, fourth and three. They get it. Next play, touchdown the end zone, take a big lead into halftime. And then, but they took the timeout. They decided they're not going to panic. They have a play they really like. They they thought, why not? Let's just go for it. We're here once. But they took the timeout to really analyze that decision. Matt the floor in the same situation, panics, goes with the first thing that goes into his head, I think. And thinks, well, I've got four stops. I, I fancy our defense to make the stop here, despite the fact that Brady was never three and out in the whole game. I just think, yeah, I, I just think if you yeah, take the time it's out, it's going to go down as the wrong thing. But I, yeah, but I think understand take, it, right? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And the first, a second-year head coach, and he, he's never been in this position before. And Bruce Arians has built his entire head coaching career on being a YOLO guy. Yeah, you know, his offense is is <laughs> built around converting third and long. So if something like that happens to him, he's probably fine with it. Um, but I think you've just got to take the time out because I think what, even if he then decides to go and kick it. You've given yourself the time yeah. to have worked out every scenario, to think it out and go, this is too big a moment to decide in 15 seconds. You need to really just take that minute and just go, I'm going to go with this decision. Because then you can go into your press conference and say, look, I took the time. The reason I did this is this and not be not be panicked, because at least you can live and buy live and die by that decision because you were 100 percent committed to that idea. I'm not so sure on the floor. Or the was was one hundred percent committed to the idea. I think he he came out and he he made that decision really quickly and was like, well, we're just going to do it because this is the scenario and I back us to do it, but didn't think about all the other consequences because it's hard. It's, it's 10, 15 seconds. It's you've got every camera in the world. You've got three hundred million people watching you. It's not you know I'm not criticizing him for not making the decision quickly. I just think he should have bought himself some time to to really decide what was best. And it's, and it's a high pressure 10 or 15 seconds as well. It's not as if you've got 10 or 15 seconds to think about that decision. You are he's right there to, and it's going. He's talking to a dozen and... people. He's got people left, right and center. He's got people in his ear. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. I just think in, in that situation, take the time out. And then if you get it wrong, you've really thought about it. And you can live and die by that decision. I think, you know, McDermott did the same thing in, in when they were not on that game yet. But before half time, he took a time out. They went, they went for the field goal. And he says, look, 100% now in this press conference, I would do that again because we hadn't scored points. We needed points on the board before the half because we knew we weren't getting the ball back straight away. I would never change that decision. You go, well, listen, everyone can criticize him for not going for it before the half, but he's already, you know, he, he is where he is for a reason. He's a very good football coach. He took his time. He made the decision that he felt was best and he didn't panic. I can't question that call because I'm not in that position. And he took the time to really think about it. Yeah. I think the thing for me that was obvious about the Green Bay game was the St. Brown drop in the end zone was horrendous and the MVS long touchdown. If the tackle's made there, it isn't a touchdown. So Green Bay desperately, desperately need to find out some help in the offseason because... They loved MVS yesterday, didn't they? They were, did. they were using him a bunch. A part of that is because he's got yellow boots. Um, yeah. So you always see him on the field. But I, I thought they, they were much more confident in him than I expected them to be. Yeah. yeah and he, he was phenomenal. You know, he found the gaps. He knew exactly where to... 
and he read the coverage well. I think I think he definitely knew exactly how to get free, where the where to get his yards, and he did very well yesterday. I think he had a, a great game. But he's that kind of player, isn't he? He's, he's streaky. He's, yeah, he's he's willful of two point oh essentially. Yeah. Uh, let's talk some Bills Chiefs then before the uh, before it turns to dawn here, guys. What what uh, what was your thoughts on that, Tom? Let's start with the quarterbacks because you've got two in a game with Mahomes. Um, I, I'm not as convinced on Josh Allen as many people are. Um, he, he absolutely turned it around and he went from having a terrible first two seasons to having a brilliant third season. And all of his supporters will say, well, there's always flashes. Uh, he always looked good. I'm, OK, I couldn't see it. But, you know, maybe that's just me. Uh, that happens a lot with football. I, I think a lot of what fueled him this year was 2020 just being sort of blown up. Uh, I think everyone looks a bit better uh, offensively. He was the biggest recipient of it, but I'm, I'm not a giant fan. He's a good quarterback now. He's top 12 quarterback in the NFL, which is amazing considering where he was a year ago. But when you come up against someone like Patrick Mahomes, who is pretty much a surefire Hall of Famer already, um, then uh, that's not what you need. So we, at the start of the show, we were talking about the difference between a really, really good Hall of Fame quarterback versus the best ever. And, and they're, they're small margins, but again we see this every year it's not just about who has the best quarterback but it gives you a massive advantage and when there's such a discrepancy as that I think you've you've got a lot to carry back so it it was a fascinating game but the Chiefs basically went look we've got a quarterback and two offensive players who no one on the other team can match up with no one can run with them at all so we'll just keep doing that and until you can stop it And, and the Bills never really stops it no, I, I felt like with the with the Bills, they'd made a decision before the game. It's like, right, we're not going to give you a 60-yard, 70-yard touchdown. You can throw the ball down the middle. You can take your 10, 15-yard plays. We're going to back ourselves to stop you in the, in the red zone, but we're not going to give you cheap scores. You're going to have to put drives on. And so Holmes has gone, well, I've got Kelsey. I back him to beat anyone that you've got in coverage. Right, there you go. <laughs> There you go. It was simple. <laughs> yeah. He just kept saying it. It was such an easy game plan. I'm sitting there thinking, like, this isn't this isn't how you beat the Chiefs. You have to be aggressive. You have to be dialing up pressure. You have to be really getting to Mahomes, and he's a difficult person to get to, as, as we've seen hundreds of times before. Well, and that was the trying. other difference uh, as well. That just difference in pass rush. So the the, the Chiefs' defense is is a league average defense, um, but they played really well last night. And the Bills, for my money are one of the probably handful, two or three most conservative defenses in the NFL. So they're up there with the Colts as basically doing the same thing all the time. Um, and it doesn't change much, and their personnel is very, very rigid, and their package is not crazy, and they don't show a lot of variation in, the, in their pass rush or their coverage. Um, and I think it came back to haunt them. I, I thought in that game against the Colts, they were very close to going out of the uh, playoffs at the start because neither of those teams is very good. Um, and they just they're a bit too vanilla and every coach takes over a defense and they go, we're going to be really aggressive. We're not going to be defensive, uh, vanilla on defense because the fans love to hear it. But, but if you are, that's sort of what it looks like. And, and it can make you look pretty good in the regular season, but you're going to get found out in January when you come up against the really good teams in, in the big moments. And the Chiefs pass rush stood up. I thought they were mm. phenomenal uh, really rushing good. the passer. Um, with, frankly some fairly average talent i don't think any of uh, their players bar chris jones are brilliant um pass rushers but but they showed up uh, and it worked yeah i think uh, spot on i think that's exactly yeah i uh, i think it makes for a fascinating fascinating game in in two weeks time 
Um, obviously, you've now got this Todd Bowles defense with with two pretty talented. I mean, it's a three-four, so you can't call them both edge rushers, but JPP and and Shaq Barrett there um, with Devin Wright coming. I would strongly call them both edge rushers. <laughs> it's always the debate, isn't it? Because I, I I would, and I always do, but I know sometimes I've said that, and people have disagreed strongly. But kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to have that argument with anybody who wants to. <laughs> but you know, you, you sit here; it's a different type of game. Um, what what is your gut saying? And appreciate. You know, it, it's a very interesting matchup. We had this matchup two months ago. Um, Chiefs won it in the first quarter. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the rest of the game after that is, is irrelevant. I know the Bucks came back and made it close, but really the game was was, was done. Um, do you do you see a route to? No, Chiefs again for me. I I, I think it will be. I, I think it will be within seven or eight points um, because they're both really good teams, but I, I definitely favour the Chiefs to win this one, I'm afraid. Um, and the reason is because cause the Buccaneers' defence has been so good this year because of consistency. So the great thing that we underrate in, in terms of how good defence is is just not getting injuries and players not missing. Um, so you go back to the... You remember the 2017 Jaguars? Uh, yeah. One of the best defences in, in recent years. No one got hurt. They basically played the same player every single snap for the whole year. Um, the Bears in 2018 were very, very similar. Even the Patriots last year. Um, a lot of defences um, who were spectacular just happened to have the same guys out there the whole time. Uh, and we tend to believe in in personal player wonderfulness this guy is really good and therefore it doesn't matter if the other 10 players suck he's really good so they're a good defense and that's just not true um but the Buccaneers are one of those defenses they have a couple of really good players Shaq Barrett has been phenomenal this year absolutely love him Levante David was as well I'm not a huge Devin White fan but it's mainly a defense that works so well because it's very consistent and it's very reliable now fine they're reliable because they blitz a lot and they blitz in un unexpected ways but when i'm talking about reliable i don't mean doing the same thing every time i mean having a very strong system and sticking to it and being fairly happy with how that's proven it wins but that's up against an offense and we would talked about it that can win in five different ways and it's an offense that is built on mahomes being the best quarterback in the league it's not that close um and tyreek hill awful person that he is uh, but whatever and travis kelsey being essentially uncoverable one-on-one the Buccaneers do not have a single player that you can be comfortable going one-on-one for the whole game against those two and not getting burnt. They don't. At his best, Carlton Davis can probably keep up with Tyreek Hill, but you know, over 50 or 60 snaps, no. Putting my money on Hill easily. Um, definitely with Kelsey. I'm not sure who, who gets that. I mean, maybe it's David, but basically they're going to have to be really clever and try and adjust their system to be built around a couple of star receivers that can bust the game open at any one point. And I don't think that's the Buccaneers defense game. Now, normally when you have a game that's great offense against great defense, it's the other units that work really well, right? So, so the Chiefs defense up against the Buccaneers offense. And, and that's probably closer. Um, I, I do think the Bucs will, will have some joy there as well. But I, I, I think it'd be similar to yesterday. I think you've got a really good team in the Bucs coming up, up against a, a great offense who, who just don't really have any answers to them. I think the one X-factor player for me in this game is, is Vita Vea. And we saw this yesterday. When Vita Vea is in, Chuck Barrett gets released. He gets a lot less pressure because Vita Vea is just... I mean, Steve McClendon did a great job. I mean, that trade to bring McClendon in when, when Vea goes down is an incredible bit of business because you've basically swapped six and seven round picks. 
I mean, like to get a guy who is going to come in and he did a, an excellent job, but he's not Vita Vea. Vita Vea, when he comes in, he massively releases Shaq Barrett to do what he does best. And we saw this yesterday. I think if Vita Vea is not in this game, Shaq Barrett isn't as effective. And, you know, you look at the numbers in the 22 games that Vea and Shaq Barrett have played together. Um, Shaq Barrett has 25 and a half sacks. I mean, but Shaq Barrett was really effective whilst Vita Vea was out most of the season though, as well. Yeah, no, he was. But I just think it really frees up Shaq Barrett even more because of the amount of manpower it takes to really deal with Sue and Vea. They just really allow that that little half step or whatever it is, that little slight edge is so minimal, but it's enough to just get Shaq Barrett to be extra effective. And I think for me, I mean, I don't think the Chiefs are going to do much on the ground. Are the same way that they didn't in Tampa in week 12. I don't think they're going to do much on the ground. It. They don't need to. <laughs> don't need no, to you're right. they, they don't need to, but I think if they need to get cheap first downs, they're going to find that tough on the ground. So they're going to have to do it through the air. I, I, I'm with you. I think that the, the Chiefs are definitely the better team. It's going to come down to plays, right? And, yeah. and we might see a couple of random turnovers and weird things will happen. Yeah. Um, but on the face of it, I, I feel pretty comfy with the Chiefs having the edge. It's fair enough. I'm, I'm not picking them for obvious reasons, but that's that's heart over head for sure. It's, it's, a, it's a head over heart decision for the podcast, Murph, because my head says Chief for all the reasons Tom says, and then my heart says, well, I've got to go with the big man and I'm going to be a buccaneer come Super Bowl Sunday. So it's... It, yeah, it's, it's it should not, just be another really good game. Last year was was one of my favourite Super Bowls because I went into it and there, there were so many reasons to be really happy for the Niners or the Chiefs to win that title. Mm-hmm. I, I spent the whole game just going, it's fine, no problem. I'm, I'm going to be chuffed at whoever it happens. And it's pretty similar this year. I mean, the, the the Bucks didn't win a playoff game from 2002 to this this season, which seems absolutely crazy. But who doesn't like this Bucks team? So I, I'll be more than happy if I'm wrong. Um, and it should just be a good game. Yeah. yeah. I, for, for me, I want Brady to win a Super Bowl with another team. And luckily for us, Murphy, it is the Buccaneers. Because uh, that will just rubber stamp the fact that he is the greatest of all time to play it. And I'd love to see Patrick Mahomes win it back to back and go on and win 10 because he could be the generational Tom Brady that we'll see in our generation. Mahomes has Mahomes has 10 or 15 years to, to go exactly. and win four or so five more. I want Brady <laughs> to win this one for you, Murph, but I also want it to win it for him because I want him to finally, as much as it was the Belichick Brady thing, to go and then do it in Tampa. It separates him from Belichick. And yes, I've got, got two facts on this. The first, well, two bits on this. First, the fact that Tom Brady is only the second quarterback to go to the Super Bowl with an NFC and an AFC team. Uh, the other being Joe Montana, who did it with the 49ers for many, many years, and then ironically did it with, with the Chiefs. Um, no quarterback has ever won both the AFC and, and the NFC, uh, or won the Super Bowl with both an AFC and an NFC team, at least since, since the merger. Um, and the other thing that is I... Everyone is talking about how much they love Mahomes now. Purists, I've, and I think we can all agree that we're purists here, won't ever hate Mahomes. But the general consensus is, I think, in five years' time, if we were all to sit back and come back on this podcast, the general consensus on Patrick Mahomes is that people will be very, very bored of him <laughs> winning games. Um, he he He's going to get maybe not quite as much hatred as, as Tom Brady, but... People in the NFL like the new shiny thing. And Patrick Mahomes is still yep. that to a degree. And I think he will be for another year or two. 
But I tell you now, if he wins three Super Bowls straight, people will be very tired of him. And, you know, people are going to laugh at me saying this, but there are going to be people that are going to absolutely hate Patrick Mahomes simply because he's just phenomenal and he's unlike any player to have ever played the game. We, we yeah. see it in every sport, regard like Absolutely. The, the champion <laughs> is always hated, regardless of how nice a guy Patrick Mahomes may be. Like you say, in three years' time, if he's won three, it's just going to be well. They're boring like the Patriots were. I I still want him to get fifty-seven regular season touchdowns so that Heinz give him <laughs> a lifetime supply of ketchup. I still want that to happen. I was gutted a couple of years ago when it didn't work and he's a MVP year, but I'm I'm praying one day. I'd love to see him to get the fifty seven and, and Heinz pay up on that bet. Was that a lifetime? Was it Texas Tech? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you've come on to talk IDP because you love IDP football. We've obviously gathered that from our conversation so far. We've run massively into this podcast already. So I'm gonna put it out there already. I'm gonna say will you come back and talk about IDP again? We will talk about it now, but I feel like there's two episodes at least for us to talk IDP. Yeah, of course, man. Uh my greatest crusade in football is get people to care about defense. Um, so yeah, I'm always, <laughs> always happy to do that. Superb news. I love IDP. I think my favorite format of football is Superflex IDP. Let's talk to IDP then. So you are, as we've mentioned, an IDP nut. For our listeners who perhaps have not been brave enough to enjoy branch into IDP, have no idea what it is yet, have been listening to this and thinking, what am I listening to? Explain why they should get into it and what IDP is essentially for those who don't know. Uh, uh, let's start with what it is. Uh, IDP is in defense, individual defensive player, right? So instead of having team defense, um, then you have individual players. So your defensive end, your linebacker, your cornerback, your safety, et cetera, et cetera. The other question I'm, I'm, I'm going to refuse to answer a little bit. So the question is often, why should you care about IDP? I, I think it's the wrong question. I, I think the better question is, is why do we not? which is really weird. If you were creating fantasy football now, um, then you'd go, well, I, I, I want to give people the feeling of being a GM or a head coach and, and, and sort of give them access to all those things in football. Um, and you'd include defense as part of that. The reason it didn't happen when it was dreamed up in, you know, depending which legend you believe in a restaurant in San Francisco or New Jersey or whatever it was 30 years ago, it's because nobody had any numbers. Uh, we talked at the start of the show about defensive uh, stats being unreliable. And that was crazy 30 40 years ago uh, nobody knew anything so they basically went all we can do is count touchdowns M- most early fantasy leagues were just touchdowns there was nothing else there wasn't yardage or points per reception any of that it was just counting touchdowns um so there was no no opportunity to do it where i am now is is if you're a fan of football if you like the sport um i'm, I'm assuming that the route is basically i like football and therefore i want to play fantasy because i feel closer to football then shouldn't you be closer to all football rather than just you know i love football but only the guys that touch the ball. And quite often you, you see, you know, Twitter's a bad place for this. They go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on every position on this team or whatever, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. There you go, I'm done. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> you, you just talked about, um, about six of the players on the field out of 22. <laughs> and that, that's not every position. That, that's barely a quarter of the people on there. Um, so it's a bit weird. So I, I've always thought uh, football is beautiful because of everything goes into it and, and defense is part of that. Um, so going back to the, what we talked about at the start of the show, I, I learned about football and it was really hard and it was really complicated and I didn't really have anyone to teach me it very easily. So I'd, I'd, I'd learned about all of it. Um, and I thought defense was really interesting and, and certainly in the sports where I came from, played a lot of rugby when I was a kid, defense was a big part of it. And 
and that was interesting to me and i was watching early noughties patriots and teddy bruski and mike vrabel and richard seymour and and all those guys and i thought that was naturally part of it so it feels really weird that anybody would just ignore that part of football i think as well if you want to learn about football then playing idp is almost essential i would say as to learning about football because there are two sides to the coin and if you learn about both sides you know more about that coin so if you play idp whether you know about it or not you will learn about it through the process because you have to select players so i think it is the factor that nobody knows about it and it's such a closed circuit thing IDP, (laughs) that people are scared to open it up I, yeah, quite often. If you ask somebody who doesn't play IDP, why not? Um, they can say, oh, I'm like super hardcore uh, fantasy guy. Oh, cool, do you play IDP? No. And you go, why not? And they go, um, well, it feels like there's so much to learn. I've got loads I've got to learn. I've put so much time into it already. I can't do it. Um, which is fine. Okay. Frankly, I don't believe you. But okay, I get it. <laughs> but those same people are telling you to listen to them and, and having their opinions on matchups. You shouldn't trust this guy because he's going up against a good defense or a bad defense. Um, well, you, you just said you didn't understand about it and you'd have to learn load so should i trust you or should i not trust you and it goes back to your point there mate um you, you've got to know both sides and it, and if you don't know both sides then you're missing a massive piece of the puzzle yeah and, and i think the other thing that's really key with with idp and and, and the, the biggest objection i get to it is either don't know or you know the, the i think the one biggest factor and I, I would say this with idp is and what prohibits people is what fantasy football did very, very well was came up with a very simple standardized scoring. And I appreciate we've now got loads of variances, 2020, and you can play and, <laughs> and mix up any score. But you could sit there and very easily look at a box score and work out your fantasy points from a perspective of, of standard scoring. Um, with IDP, and I've played IDP with many different people in many different leagues, there is no standard scoring because no matter what you try and do with the scoring, there always seems to be one position that manages to be completely, in my view, wrongly evaluated. Either you put in too many points for tackles or not enough points for sacks. So you make either linebackers extremely like, overpriced. Basically, you just have to get a whole squad of, 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 of linebackers. And then at the same point, you just say, well, tackles are important, but um, passes defended is not, or something like that. So you make corners completely irrelevant. Oh, well, I didn't need to draft them. I just pick them up off free agency because they're all kind of the same outside of the top three or four guys. Um, and I think it's the biggest challenge to me for, for IDP players is, if you sit there and try and explain the scoring and trying to figure out, because the immediate thing is from people's limited knowledge or basic knowledge of the game is edge rush is most premium position. Hardest hardest to find, you know, in terms of an elite talent. They're the ones that that make the difference because again, people judge that sacks is the most important when, when we know now it it really isn't, but so people go and buy, well, okay, I'm going to go and get, you know, edge rushers and you can get some, you you see people overdrafting edge rushers, in so many leagues and it, it then leads to people getting frustrated because well i drafted uh you know an elite player or i've drafted von miller von miller for example is a, a great player who's just not a great fantasy asset and, and the same with oh i, I know Jalen ramsey i'm gonna draft Jalen ramsey a terrible fantasy pick like you just he's not gonna produce whatever you need unless you're in some weird scoring where it works so people draft names that they know that they hear on red zone and these guys just turn out to not be very good fantasy players to 
with that in mind, and, and there's people that we're hoping to try and convert from this podcast, and I'm, I've probably done a really bad job of putting people off by saying this. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are some things to sort of alleviate those concerns to make it, I don't want to buy this whole, it's too hard, because there's the internet. It's not that hard. There's so much more information than what it was 20 years ago. But in terms of either creating an IDP league or joining an IDP league, what are some of the things that people can do to overcome this? I don't know who to draft. I don't know about the scoring. How do we fix the it's scoring? It's a brilliant question. Standard? It's a really good question because um, people take it in a bunch of different ways. So let's start off with what I think is the core issue. So th- there are two schools of people in an IDP. Um, there, are, there are people who believe in balance um, and there are people who who believe in suspension of disbelief and the balance guys are like right in my league we start nine offensive players you know two quarterbacks and three wide receivers and a tight end of five whatever the numbers are right um so therefore we need to have nine defensive players um and i want them to all be equal i i want every player every position to be about equal in value and to be traded between them lovely idea doesn't work doesn't work at all and the fundamental difference is um supply so when we're talking about defensive players there are 11 players on the field that we can pick with and they're all valuable and interesting in different ways when we're talking about offensive players most fancy we've only got six players because we don't play with offensive lines now fine offensive line stats theoretically include in other positions but it's a massive difference so in let's talk about standard 12 um team league right let's say you start two running backs each uh so you're starting 24 running backs every week um maybe some in a flex position as well but whatever 24 and there are 32 teams so in non-bye week that's 24 out of 32 guys that you're all starting whatever that is close on to three quarters uh something like that let's talk about safeties so people would normally go well i've got two safeties um so i'll start two safeties in the same 12 team league that's 24 safeties but actually all of those 32 teams in the NFL are starting two safeties and half of them are starting a third safety and playing the most snaps anyway. So straight away, you've got whatever that is, 76, 78, and you're only starting 24 out of 78. So you're starting like one in four um, compared to three quarters. And it's a massive difference. Those things just don't match up. So if, if you assume that you want to keep it equal, it's not going to work because the proportion of defensive players you are dipping into and using is very, very different to the proportion of offensive players that you're using. Now, if you go the other way and you say, well, it's a game. It's a non-suspension of disbelief. This is very Bertolt Brechtian. We, are, we, we want to make a game. We want to make it fun for people. Then you can do that, but it's a very different experience. And I, I would advise not doing that through scoring. So generally people go, well, I, I want to change the scoring. So I, I want my top linebacker to score the same points as my top tight end. And I would say that's a bad idea. It seems to make sense. And I thought it for a long, many years, but it, but it doesn't really work out because distribution looks different. So if you look at running back, you normally get two or three running backs who are really good and then quite a steep drop off. And then after 10 or 12 running backs, another steep drop off and they're sort of and then you get down into the um bunch of receiving backs and the james whites and a bunch of guys who have some good days but they're not reliable not true in defense because defense is fundamentally reactive if you've got a really good running back or a really good receiver or a tight end you go I'm, we talked about the chiefs earlier i'm going to throw the ball 17 times to tyreek hill this week because he's my best player great if you've got a really good linebacker what you can do say so i'm i'm gonna I'm going to have him tackle 17 times? No, because the offense is doing it to you and they're attacking your weak points. They're, they're going after the players they don't think can keep up. 
Um, so so the, the drop-off is very, very different. Your top linebacker is not much different to your ninth linebacker. And your ninth linebacker is not much different to your 24th. And your 24th is actually not much different to your 40th. So people look at linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks every year and go, well, how come you thought this guy was going to be 48th and he finished fifth? And that happens all the time because those differences are very small pretty rarely happens on the offensive side actually it does happen all the time we're, we're pretty bad at predicting but but much less we've got much better idea of which running backs are going to get 20 carries a, a game versus which linebackers are going to get however many involved plays um so the way to do it is not scoring because if you if you ramp up the top guy at every position you're going to end up with 30 guys that score as much as the top five linebacker and so there's no scarcity right everyone's just got one and it just depends who's good every week i always liken it to kicker so um if you started three kickers a week then everyone would have good kickers but it would just feel random because one guy gets 20 points and one guy gets five and there's no way you could see it it's just they all score similar so that variance happens um what's what's better is to use numbers of starters so i would suggest your offensive starters however many you got six seven nine ten something like that probably add on 50 percent for defense and because you want to try and create scarcity through that so your individual defenders will score less than the individual offensive counterparts but overall i'd go for balance so i want my let's say it's nine offensive players and every week together they score 200 points and i'll have 15 defensive players and every week together they'll score 200 points and and that's generally where you we get much in more interesting balance now the problem with that is you lose that suspension of disbelief. You don't feel like a GM anymore because it, it feels really gamified and you're starting 15, but there's only 11 NFL players on the field. You know, people talk about realistic. They go, you, you've got to have realistic defense oh, with two cornerbacks and two safeties. <laughs> like that's what defenses look like. But of course, I'm, I'm fine starting three uh, running backs and, and, and seven <laughs> tight uh, wide receivers. <laughs> it's really weird. But I, I with you. You sort of lose one or the other. There is no perfect system where you can have both of those. It does not exist. You, you can't mess about with your scoring to make it equalised. Cannot be done. It's the same with, with one QB leagues. Quarterback. I mean, this year we'll see Super a bit similar. of a bounce back, but effectively... Yeah, I mean, people resist. I, I resisted Flex for years because it feels weird. There's only one quarterback on on the league, but if, if you have one quarterback, then all your quarterbacks don't have any value. Um, and if you have two, then they have value, but it doesn't feel realistic. Exactly the same thing. Yeah, and, we, and, we, and I think that's that's got to be the the route that people need to think about because IDP is a lot of fun. You learn a lot. Like I I, I just started playing IDP I think about ten years ago, and that really kickstarted my knowledge on just actually wanting to watch defenses and wanting to see, because I wanted to get an edge. I wanted to know, because it's not the names, it's not the star names that are the big fantasy. Yes, okay, a few of them are. Aaron Donald, if he gets 20 plus sacks, is going to be good. (laughs) But it's not the star names. There'll be so many guys in IDP who put up amazing amounts of points that probably the the average NFL fan has probably never heard of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why I like it, because it's so quirky. You've got... it's, it's just a, different. What, yeah. what quite often happens, another, another objection that people have will go, well, I, I, don't, want, I don't want the bad players to be rewarded um, because they've got this idea that you know, bad players get more tackles because the offense goes after them. Not really true. Um, I, Marlon Humphrey, right? Marlon Humphrey, uh, all pro player, brilliant uh, defensive back. I think he was the third most targeted um, player in the NFL this year. He was massively gone after. And, and all the time the NFL goes after really good players because they don't really think about it that way. Um, so it's just different. It's not that good players in IDP score more points. It's not that bad players in the IDP score more points. It's just a different system. And, and 
that's true on offense as well, right? Um, so tight end. Is Darren Waller the second best tight end in football? I don't think he is. He puts up the second best numbers because he gets second most targets and that's sort of the offense is in the environment he is. But don't get me started on tight ends <laughs> in fantasy football. <laughs> I, I don't think Darren Waller's very good. Um, but he puts up those numbers and then running back we've already talked about, right? You, you can easily he's um James Robinson in Jacksonville. Now I know a lot of people are huge fans of him. I think he's fine. I think he's okay. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's a spectacular player. It's just they gave him however many touches it was, over 300. Um, and you're going to look good unless you're Kalen Balash. We, we, <laughs> Kalen Balash. Good. We, we see Podcast it. Only, favorite, uh, especially <laughs> well, when you're watching Red Zone and stuff, if you're not playing IDP, you could almost have a black line across the top half of the telly where the defense is situated. And if that moved up and down with the defense and you were only watching the <laughs> offensive people, the balls, you wouldn't really mind because you're only interested in the offensive side of the ball. So it's, I, I love it because it makes me watch both sides of the ball, but it, it needs to be, like Murph said, the scoring makes it very difficult for someone just to plug in an IDP league and go after it. And I, but the trouble is, you mentioned that that's never really going to be a thing until it is standardised across the NFL board. And that's never going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. Uh, people are interested in different stuff and, and people value. There are still a load of people that think tackles are really important. Now, my point of view on tackles, it's not really something a player does. It's something that happens to them. Um, but, but still, uh, masses of football fans think that a lot of tackles means good player. Um, uh, I just disagree with that, but maybe I'm wrong. No, no, no I'm, I'm with you. It's, you know, particularly bad teams are going to have players that have lots of players that get lots of tackles because they're really bad. <laughs> if you give up a lot more plays, you're on the but, field uh, ball. That's, a, that's another one of those things. I, so volume is one of those things that I've been talking about for years. I've been trying to work out quite a lot because we all think that worse defenses play more plays i i don't think it's true um i think actually again correlation is pretty bad from bad teams and good teams playing a lot of volume there's lots of examples on both sides so we sort of it's very easy to to make it look that way but i'm I'm not sure it's true um but it's just one of those weird things that's not very intuitive and and defense we understand so badly we've got really bad idea of which things are even just in the last 10 minutes we've sort of said the pass rush is pretty good right if you're a good pass rusher you'll put up more pass rushing stats um and that's that's pretty true even if you get a bad pass rush it gets a load of volume benson mayoa tano passignon uh both of those played a ton this year and were absolutely terrible jaron reed led all interior um linemen in in pass rush snaps and it was terrible this year um but it's really hard to do uh, other positions safety uh, and linebacker in particular it's really easy to do you can play a lot and put up big numbers so greg williams is a great example greg williams piles out his linebackers right he picks his two best linebackers and goes you sir are playing 1100 snaps this year which is a ton <laughs> and then alec ogletree put up stupid numbers under him and, and people were really convinced alec ogletree was a good player he never was he was a good pass rush he was a bad player um but those things sort of persist for years it's um, just that, that last 45 seconds, Tom has pointed out that there's format, strategy, trends, stars, regression candidates, positional depth we haven't even touched on. So I'm glad <laughs> I asked you to come back because we were never going to get covered in the time we had today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased you definitely said yes to come back. Uh, look, we do, I'm, I've nearly finished my, my biggest project for the offseason. Nearly finished. It's taken me ages. So, um, so one of the things in defence, uh, I'd love your opinion on this. I'll send you over some stuff. It's basically defensive scheme is really really badly understood um so in 
in the, the great football world, they think there's two defences, there's three, four and four, three, and that's it. And all of those look the same. And, and that's clearly not true. We talk about diamond nickel with the understanding that every diamond package looks the same and every nickel package looks the same. And it's not true. So I, I think we'd, we're pretty bad understanding defences. And I firmly include myself in that. I've been, I've been watching it for decades and I'm still pretty bad at it. So what I'm trying to do is... is is do some real work and try and make it pretty understandable what all those defenses look like this year. Um, so look, I'll send it over to you guys when I'm done um, and let's come back and, and talk about what that looks like. That would be really interesting. One last question I've got, Tom, before, <laughs> before we do dive off. Quite a lot of my... No, that's, that's not true at all. Defensive understanding. How much of it in the general game do you think comes from playing Madden? And that's just because some people don't watch the defensive side of the ball whereas if you play Madden you have to do both if you're into it and I know that most of the decent Madden players I know don't play defensive line when they're playing they play linebacker or safety because they can see the whole field whereas people who don't know defense select what Madden tells them to play play linebacker uh, defensive end sorry and try and get after the quarterback because that's the easiest thing to do on Madden do you think that's the same sort of thing with IDP, whereas they see these shiny toys and think, that's all I know, that's where I'm going to get after this. But if you, if you happen to play another position on Madden, you get a better understanding of it. It's a really good question. Um, broadly, yes, I, I think that is how uh, people believe. Um, but uh, the true answer is so complicated. So my understanding of defense is, is sort of, medium right i'm i'm an intermediate guy so i'm i'm not going to sit here and give you the names of every variation on a stunt or a twist or or exactly all that sort of stuff but i'm pretty good at understanding personnel packages and i can tell you the difference between a, a cover two and a cover six um and that sort of thing but you can go as deep as you want right you can go crazy deep and, and the reason why defense has been terrible in 2020 is because is because it is fundamentally a weak link system your defense is only good as the worst person out there so if you're a safety or a linebacker and you're integral to your zone shell coverage and you don't know what you're doing then you ruin the whole thing uh, so that's why people like willie gay and davion taylor um, just weren't on the field that sort of year um so going back to madden you can have the most impact if you're controlling one of those how well that actually um recreates the nfl i'm not totally sure because that that is telling us as you know a person with agency with a control and i want to go out there and do things because that's how gaming works if you make the right decision you can change this play i, I don't think that is how defense works I, I think it's in real life it's much more a case of don't mess up your assignment and your responsibility and the whole defense will remain strong going back to how we talked about the the buccaneers earlier good example of that sort of defense rather than you know your your safety or linebacker is a freelance and you need to go out and make it happen the idea of of defensive playmakers i think is probably a bit overblown i'm not sure i answered the question there <laughs> to be fair the way i worded the question i'm not sure there was an actual answer so we'll call it <laughs> evens and, uh, and uh, tom look listen i've got so many more questions about idp that you're coming back whether you want to or not we'll organize that murph will get that sorted out but before you do come back when you let rush nation know where they can find you where you find your articles and wherever you are in the world thank you very much um so you can find me mainly hanging around on twitter uh so you can find me <laughs> at tom kislingberry um the great news, I'm the only Tom Kislingberry in the world. The bad news, you can't spell it and you'll get it wrong. So don't worry about it. <laughs> you, can, you can probably track it down to search for IDP and my name will come up. Um, but apart from that, the, the work I do is mostly at DLF, Dynasty League Football. Uh, you can find me over there talking about various things. Um, or Gridiron, uh, UK mag, the finest NFL mag in the UK. Um, I write a monthly column in there and, and do some bits and pieces. So you should, you should buy it. You should read it. It's good. It's very good. 
Vouch <laughs> for that. I have a subscription, so. Ah, good man. I'll pass that on to uh, to Josh and Liam. They'll be very happy. Definitely. This uh, started the way, well, it ended the way Murph started it with Pirate. Tom went R as he talked about the gridiron subscription <laughs> there by Murph. Murph has accelerated his Monday by the Buccaneers making the Super Bowl. And I'm along for the ride. Tom, thanks so much for coming on. We will chat really soon. Big man, you go get yourself some sleep. Leave behind the glass. Thanks for everything again today. And as always, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.